This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. HPC dodges budget acts. And China claims quantum computing breakthrough. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with Top500.org. I'm Addison Snell, and that's Michael Feldman. Michael, this week in HPC, the big thing was we were watching the budget in the U.S. government in Congress. This is something we've talked about previously on our This Week in HPC podcast, really worried about uh, potential cuts. We were looking at uh, potential cuts to the DOE budgets, the supercomputing budgets, exascale computing project, NASA, NIH, NSF, uh, really across the board, we were worried, 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 and How'd we do? Maybe not so bad. Yeah, well, we certainly did a lot better than, than what we're talking about. What the, uh, the original uh, sort of draconian cuts that the Trump administration was talking about that we had talked about previously are not going to happen, at least in the short term. This, this uh, spending deal goes out several months and it's going to cover uh, the DOE and other, other agencies uh, that are doing R&D and, and HPC work for the foreseeable future. So, uh, yeah, HPC dodged this, uh, this cut, and it sounds like from the way this was written up and the way Congress is looking at it, it's, it's a good omen for going forward into 2018 and beyond. Yeah, in fact, there's an excellent write-up by Tiffany Trader at HPC Wire for any of our yep. listeners who want to go look there. She's done a, a really wonderful job summarizing the effects. The DOE Office of Science going to get a $43 million increase over FY16, the Exascale Computing Project and the Exascale Initiative are both getting some modest increases um, the uh, Advanced Research Projects Agency and Energy, ARPA-E, um, gets a, a, an increase over 2018. And that was one that was supposedly looking at really dramatic cuts and that goes on to other agencies from there. So uh, although they weren't huge increases or in some cases you have areas that were going to be flat, even things like the EPA, which all right, the EPA is getting a cut, it's getting a 1% cut, but that's essentially relatively flat. And all right, you know, the EPA is going to say, hey, you cut our budget. But compared to the cut they might have had, I think staying almost flat with a 1% cut is, I think it's a win for the EPA. Yeah, certainly that was facing probably the worst, uh, the most draconian cuts of all of them from what the Trump administration was talking about. So yeah, that flat cut turned out to be uh, sort of good news for them, certainly relief. Um, overall, I mean, the bigger picture is this a 5% increase in federal R&D this year. And that's certainly good news for anybody interested in, in the R&D sector. Um, it's actually increased the sort of the percentage uh, d uh, designated for R&D compared to the uh, the GDP. It, it ticked up a little bit to like 0.18%, a little bit above that of the GDP is now federal R&D, at least for this uh, this budget. So that's good news as well. We're actually doing a little better. Um, and, and this is Congress. So Congress had to put something together. And obviously, they are not on the same page as the Trump administration. But regardless, the president's going to sign this because this is part of the budget deal sort of to keep everything open. And they wanted to keep it open not just for another week or month. They wanted to keep it open until uh, well into the uh, uh, in, through the summer and into fall. 
Right. This is a six-month spending bill that extends us out into the fall. Uh, and there's an omnibus spending bill. Everything was in here. Um, yep. But you know, we're looking at it just for through the lens of supercomputing and HPC, these supercomputing initiatives, the Exascale Initiative, the Exascale Computing Project, of course, are are right in in great focus right now in terms of how the U.S. will respond to accelerated supercomputing initiatives in other countries. I, I think NASA is worth mentioning here, too, because that was an area that I thought was really sensitive to uh, the potential for for some really dramatic cuts and uh, the space science got an increase. The Earth science uh, all stayed flat. Uh, Tiffany uh, included at the end of her article on HPC Wire a link to a Science Magazine article: How Science Fares in the U.S. Budget Deal. And even Science Magazine is coming out saying, "Ah, eh, this wasn't so bad, right?" Which compared to where we were a couple of months ago, looking at the proposed cuts, uh, I think this is this is good news for the HPC community. So yeah, I want to point out especially the the money for the Exascale Computing Project and and the Exascale Initiative. That money needed uh, needed increases going forward. So the, the cuts to those those programs would have basically decimated them. They they might have killed those projects. But they got not only the money they were asking for, but actually a little bit more. So the Exascale Project is going to move forward probably uh, as they as they deemed on schedule. Uh, so that's really good news. That was something that uh, you know the HPC community is obviously very interested in. We have to be competitive in this area to move that technology forward. So all that money looks like it's going to be in place at least through uh, the fiscal year uh, uh, 2017. Okay, Michael. Well, also this week in HPC, you know, we're talking about these supercomputing initiatives. So of course, another thing we've talked about at a national level and an industry level is the potential for quantum computing to. Uh, change how we look at supercomputing. That's been a topic we've addressed previously on this podcast with systems from D-Wave and the newer system from IBM. But there's a new development this week in HPC that news is coming out that the research team in China has developed its own approach to a quantum supercomputer. Yeah, there's a group of physicists in uh, in China that have come and put together a, a system that's entangled 10 qubits. So the previous uh, sort of record for that was nine qubits, and that was out of the uh, the University of California, Santa Barbara, who's working with Google on this project. Um, so ten qubits doesn't sound like, uh, or one qubit more doesn't sound like a lot, but actually it turns out to be quite a bit more because you're talking about qubits. It's not just binary. Uh, the qubits are, are are exponentially right. It, it doubles the power of the computer, right? Uh, more than that, I think it's it's actually yeah, it's it's much more than that, but. Uh, to actually put together even a system of, of this size in China is, is quite a breakthrough. It's, uh, we know China's been working on quantum computing. They've put a lot of resources behind this, but this is one of the first times they've talked about it to any extent. Now, a lot of the stuff that uh, was reported on in the, in the local Chinese news and then sort of picked up in some of the uh, American uh, publications was a little bit of hype. In fact, maybe a lot of hype there. They the, the breakthrough they talked about as far as entangling these, this extra qubit doesn't exactly do uh, what some people were saying, that it's, you know, they've, they've now got a quantum computer that's bigger than anything. It's 24,000 times more powerful than what we had before. That's not quite true. There's still work that needs to be done in, you know, things like error correction and coherence that, that's very challenging. But they did demonstrate this, this photonic uh, 
uh, quantum computer that that is somewhat impressive. They're still looking at a at a five to ten year timeline to put together a real system that uh, uh, what they call would would represent quantum supremacy. So something on the order of like fifty qubits that would outrun a uh, conventional computer on on some of these quantum uh, type uh, algorithms that that we we talked about on occasion. So they're they're really it sounds like they're really not much closer than some of the other efforts we've talked about with IBM, Google, Microsoft, and others. But it looks like they're they're getting up to speed and they're putting a lot of resources into it. So it, it's something to watch. I mean, China is very interested in this area for a lot of different reasons. I mean, certainly scientific research, but also cryptography, uh, uh, which is very critical to a, a lot of segments of the uh, of the defense departments there, and, and as well. So. Um, Again, it's it's something they're putting a big effort on, just like they're putting a big effort into the supercomputing space. Yeah, it's it's interesting to watch. It's a difficult thing to compare. All right, is this quantum approach better or worse than this other quantum co- approach? We're so early in this notion of quantum computer development. I think it's very difficult to compare uh, one methodology over another. The more significant thing here is that the Chinese quantum computing research is now in the game. There is a Chinese initiative, and against the backdrop of these other nationalized initiatives for supercomputing that gets driven at at a research level, that's very different from uh, the IBM approach, the D-Wave approach, these U.S. or Canadian companies where you favor commercialization. This is something we're going to sell. That's not what we've seen here in China, and that's not what we've seen with their top Super supercomputers now with the Sunway Taihu Light. This is a system that was built, not bought. So we see this different approach, maybe a different methodology in how things get funded or or brought to market or not brought to market. Another interesting facet about that is when you look at leadership at the top level, and this is an area where the U.S. has had leadership, or or maybe I should say U.S. and Canada together have had leadership. But um, in the National Review at nationalreview.com, there's uh, an article on this written by Adelia Friedson, who points out that China is graduating 4.7 million STEM students uh, or students with STEM degrees every year, which is not quite 10 times, but maybe nine times as many as the U.S. is every year. So, you know, to what extent is any kind of U.S. lead long term here? And that article, the author. Uh, calls out for something you were just talking about, that the U.S. needs to consider increasing federal research and development in this area to keep up. I mean, the, the article basically focuses on the from the defense applications in cryptography, certainly, and, and other areas. Um, but it, it is it is going to be a concern for our government if uh, China builds a quantum computer that can sort of outdo the uh, cryptography that uh, is being done now with conventional computing. Um, and they get this lead, so it, it is a, it is sort of a security pro- problem or security challenge, and uh, it, it's sort of ironic. National Review is a very conservative uh, publication that uh, is, is not big on big government, but certainly here, uh, the author here is advocating for uh, much bigger presence in, in government uh, spending here to to come up to speed with uh, the quantum technology. Now, when I gave my congressional testimony uh, last month regarding the U.S. position relative to China in supercomputing leadership, there were other members of that panel who were dedicated to topics like cloud and and quantum. John Costello was there talking about 
quantum computing. And, and he talked about how this is a very young field and we'll see what happens. Uh, he would like to see more research in that as well. But uh, also pointed out, in his opinion, he thinks a lot of the cryptography stuff or cyber attack is somewhat overblown. I think his expert testimony on quantum, which is there next to mine at the uscc.gov website, is is really worthwhile to review here. But but to me, still very interesting that China is is very much in the game here in quantum computing. Yeah, and if nothing else, uh, it, it certainly is a stimulating discussion here in the U.S. and, and certainly other areas like in Europe uh, and bigger investments in this technology. So in that sense, it's good to have this competition, but uh, certainly a worry for some people. And uh, even if it's uh, a bit overblown, it's, it's a good uh, basis for discussion going forward. All right, Michael. Well, thanks again for another interesting podcast. These are two two good stories. And I really wanted to come back on that budget story. It's nice to see we're not in as dire shape as we had feared we might have been at an industry level. We'll be taking all that into consideration as we roll out our new market model and forecast numbers uh, coming out real soon. Indeed. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot, Michael. And thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.